On today's episode of Locked Up With History, we will be looking at the rather cheeky escape of a prisoner from the Geelong Jail in 1869. This is the story of John McHenry. Stay tuned. Warning. This podcast contains discussions of some potentially distressing topics. Listeners, please be advised. Come with us for true and tall tales unsurpassed. With stories from Victoria's dark colonial past. Spirits, executions, ghosts, murders and ghouls. These are the stories they don't teach you at school. All these twisted tales of mystique and mystery. Coming to you now on Locked Up With History. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Locked Up With History, Episode 7. My name is Deb Robinson, and please forgive the way I sound today. I do have a bit of a cold. But on today's episode, we are looking at one of the many escapes from the Geelong Jail, John McHenry. His escape was one of bravado and cheekiness that resulted in McHenry walking out the front gates past the governor's office. It would take about three weeks before he would be recaptured. But first, let's go back to the beginning of McHenry's story, when he was known as... James Clark. Now, Clark was born around 1832 in the Shoreditch area of London. Now, Shoreditch is an ancient parish which is notable for its connection to the nursery rhyme Oranges and Lemons. It was a home of many industries and has a rich theatre life, although it appeared to be the hub of many a penniless artist in the earliest times. The arrival of the railway in the 1830s exacerbated the slum area of Shoreditch and with the cheap and easy travel. However, today, it is considered one of the trendiest places in London. Now, we know James has a brother named William, who was a couple of years older, but despite much research, we have been unable to find any of his family. No birth records, no marriage records, or death, birth or death records for his children. He is quite an elusive man. But no matter how elusive James Clark was, he could not escape court or jail altogether. In June 1856, James would appear in the Central Criminal Court, sometimes known as the Old Bailey, charged with a violent theft on chemist George Spaulding. Now, Spaulding was walking home after a late supper through Shoreditch when an unknown man knocked his hat off his head. Now, when he bent to pick it up, it was kicked up into an alley where Spaulding was jumped by several men and rendered unconscious. When he awoke, he was missing a watch and a sum of money. Now, Clark was identified by Constable Joseph Diebel, who was acquainted with the ruffians of the neighbourhood, stating that Clark was the only one who fitted the description. Clark was sentenced to 18 months in Newgate Prison. In January 1860, Clark once again found himself in front of the Central Criminal Court, this time charged with breaking and entering and stealing money from Charlotte Marshall of the Wagon and Horses at Brentford. Clark defended himself by saying he was bringing two gentlemen home in his cab and they'd stop for a drink at the wagon and horses and that he knew nothing of the stolen cash box. He ended up in jail because he had a fight with his father-in-law over cleaning the cab and lost his temper. Something he did quite frequently by the sound of it. The cab was sold to raise the funds to pay for his solicitor. Clark stated he had two children in coffins and another not expected to live. Despite his defence, Clark was found guilty and sentenced to six years penal servitude. 
Now, Clark was initially sent to Margate Prison, then Millbank, then Penderville, where he served six months before finally being taken to Portland Prison in Dorset. And throughout this time, his poor, suffering wife, Mary Ann, was living in shortage with the two children that were still alive at that time. For a fascinating look at life in a colonial prison, visit Geelong Jail Museum. Situated just over an hour from Melbourne in the heart of Geelong, it's Victoria's most intact and longest continually operating colonial prison. For information, search for Geelong Jail or call 1300 865 800. On January 5, 1861, James Clark was part of a working party under Water Diggum at Portland Prison. They were charged with moving stones to the breakwater using wagons. Clark took a chance entering one of the workmen's huts, donning a mason's coat and a false moustache and whiskers that he'd made out of horsehair from his prison mattress. Quite ingenious if you really think about it. He then brazenly walked out past the guards. He was stopped by one to which he replied he was one of Mr J's men, who was the mason working with the prisoners. Now, the escape caused a great commotion with Clark's description being sent far and wide. There were police and civil guards all over Dorset stopping anyone who could potentially be the escaped convict. Now, despite the intention, Clark managed to escape without being seen. Clark passed a soldier at Fortune Well, was seen crossing the ferry bridge near Weymouth. He was last seen by a baker's boy running an errand who saw Clark heading towards Dorchester. It would be three months before James Clark was seen again. In late April 1861, James Clark was discovered with his brother in Bristol, where William ran a boot and shoe shop. Over the previous months, James Clark had headed up a gang of thieves who would target the mercantile stores in Bristol. They would end up stealing nearly a thousand pounds of merchandise before they were caught. James was charged with stealing a bale of linen, while William was charged with receiving stolen property. On the 28th of April 1861, James Clark was brought up on the charges, but would feign insanity by walking backwards and forwards in the dock in a very excited state, to the point that the hearing was adjourned for a couple of weeks so he could be examined for lunacy. On the 11th of May 1861, James Clark would once again front the Bristol Police Court on charges of stealing and being an escaped convict. This time, he would try to escape and then threaten to commit suicide to avoid the charges. Ultimately, it was decided by the judge after a request from the governor of Portland Prison to return James back to the prison to deal with the remainder of his sentence and punishment for the escape. William was discharged without charge as there was not enough evidence to prosecute. He tearfully said goodbye to his brother. James replied, Goodbye, old cock. Don't cry. James was eventually returned to Portland Prison, although it wasn't a direct route. He spent some time in Millbank and Pentonville before ending up in Woking Prison. From there, he was eventually received back in Dorset and the Portland Prison in July 1862. However, it wasn't long before James was in trouble again with being written up for highly insolent conduct. It seems that James became very upset with the governor for not being listed for transportation to Australia and made his feelings well known. It was because of his propensity for escaping that prevented him from being considered. James received two months in party-coloured dress, this means a typical convict uniform, not a, a party, and with irons of the usual weight. James eventually behaved long enough to be considered and was placed aboard the Clyde in March 1863, bound for Western Australia. You're listening to Locked Up With History. 
James Clark arrived in the Swan River Colony, now known as Perth, on the 29th of May 1863. But his introduction to Australia was probably an indication of conditions on board the Clyde, as he was taken straight to the prison hospital, suffering from bronchitis and pithesis, both lung conditions. He would spend nine days there before joining the rest of the convicts. Now, it wasn't long before James was in trouble once again for insolence and fighting on the works, for which he received three days on bread and water. He would receive his ticket of leave on the 15th of January, 1864. James Clark received his certificate of freedom on the 1st of February, 1866, before heading to Victoria on the 10th of January, 1868. Now, sometime between 1863 and 1868, Clark's wife, Mary Ann, formerly Simpson, and children would join him from England. The couple appear to have lost more children as by the time they moved to Victoria, they had only one child named after his father, who was only two years of age and born here in Australia. At other various times during his incarceration, he would be listed with two or three children. On the 27th of January 1868, James, Mary Ann and baby James arrived in Hobson's Bay aboard the mistletoe. The very next day, James was arrested by Sergeant Harvey under the Convict Prevention Act and brought before the Williamstown Courts as a prisoner of the Crown illegally at large. Now, the Convict Prevention Act was an attempt to stem the tide of convicts from Tasmania and New South Wales who would receive their tickets of leave and then head to Victoria and the Goldfields. Although James had obtained his certificate of freedom, he was still arrested under this act. In court, Clark stated he had no intention of staying in Victoria and that he was headed for Sydney. He was remanded for 10 days to allow him to continue his journey, but Clark had other ideas that did not include leaving the state of Victoria. Instead, James Clark and his family headed to Ballarat, opening a shoe and boots shop in the main street, and he once he'd obtained credit, he would skip town to Spring Creek. Now, Spring Creek was later called Greytown, just outside of Negambi, and it was a booming gold mining town in 1868. And from here, James Clark would head to the Geelong region. Now, by July 1869, he was now known as John McHenry. Clark, with John Johnson, was arrested for stealing from Thomas Lawler. They were accused of stealing a saddle and bridle, Inverness Cape, among other articles from Lawler's property near Colac. Now, Sergeant Tui went to McHenry's house in Mottawari and found the stolen property. He refused to speak until Johnson, who was employed by McHenry, returned. Johnson stated he'd received them from a rabbiter named Jones, while McHenry said he knew nothing about them being stolen. Johnson pleaded guilty and McHenry not guilty. They were not believed, with Johnson receiving 10 months and McHenry four months at the Geelong Jail. Interestingly, there was a second charge of stealing saddles and bridles, the property of William Daffus. Now, McHenry defended himself, but with an entirely different outcome. McHenry conducted a very similar defence to that of his lawyer in the first trial, including that he was a returned soldier of the Crimean and Indian Wars, but this time he was acquitted. What didn't come to light at the trial is that McHenry had never served in the British Army and had tried to bribe Johnson with £20 to take the fall. While McHenry, or Clark, was being transported to Western Australia a few years before on the Clyde, there were also a large number of Crimean War veterans on the boat. Perhaps that's where he came up with the story of being a war veteran. If you'd like to visit some of the places featured on Locked Up With History, book in a tour with Twisted History. For the full range of tours and to book, visit twistedhistory.net.au. 
On the 6th of September 1869, John McHenry was working on the conversion of Geelong Jail's East Wing to the Myers Street Industrial School for Girls. The dividing wall between the prison section and the industrial school had been finished and they left the door open to allow for easier transfer of the workmen and prisoners. A warder was watching to ensure no problems and they didn't expect any given they were all short sentence men. That is, not a lot of time left on their sentences. However, it was not to be so. It was thought that McHenry had some help from the outside as clothes were left in a water closet for him. However, these were probably just a change of clothes from another of the workmen. He quickly donned these over his prison uniform before walking out the front door, past the governor's office. Now, McHenry was seen by a cabman at the Market Square hurrying through the streets who recognised McHenry, and by now he was wearing a handkerchief on his head. But it was thought he had completed his sentence and had been legally freed. McHenry had, in fact, a month to go. The alarm was raised and he was traced as far as Duck Ponds, now known as the Lara, before the trail went cold. A few days later, a parcel arrived for the governor of the Geelong Jail that had been sent on the steamer from Melbourne. The package contained McHenry's uniform, as he did not want to add further charges of theft of government property to his charges. John McHenry's luck at managing to escape led to another attempt just two weeks later by a group of four men who were awaiting trial. They were unsuccessful. Now, McHenry managed to stay at large for nearly a month before being arrested by Sergeant Harvey, who had arrested him in the first place, at Williamstown on the 29th of September 1869. The way he was recaptured was a clever act on behalf of Sergeants Harvey and Tui. Knowing that McHenry's wife, Marianne, was still living in the Geelong area, they put a watch on her. Marianne moved all her belongings by steamer to Melbourne and the police alerted their Melbourne counterparts. Marianne and the children would return to Williamstown and a house in Cole Street and it was here that McHenry would eventually be captured. McHenry would be taken before the courts and again, in an attempt to get off, paced up and down the dock in an agitated state, trying to prove that he was insane. The ruse had worked for him back in England, but not this time. He was formally identified by Sergeant Harvey, as Harvey had arrested McHenry under the name of James Clark when he had arrived in Melbourne. McHenry was remanded back to Geelong in his care. McHenry would be charged with illegally escaping custody, but it is unknown how much extra time was added to his sentence. However, his reason for escaping ended up being in vain. It was thought at the time that McHenry had heard that he was about to be charged with stealing a bay mare belonging to James North at Birragara. This was his catalyst to escape, but he need not have worried. At the trial held at the Geelong Police Court in December 1869, the mare had been stolen in July 1869. Johnson had been seen with a single horse heading towards Winchelsea. On his return a few days later, he was then in possession of two animals. Johnson stated that McHenry swapped out his horse as it was knocked up. Another witness identified the mare as one he had seen on McHenry's property at Motawari. After hearing the evidence and the summing up of the judge that it was dangerous to rely on the evidence of a known criminal without corroborative evidence, the jury did not even leave the box before finding McHenry not guilty. But this is not the last we see of John McHenry, however. In September 1871, a man named John McHenry Clark is arrested for stealing six sheepskins from George Anderson and two sheepskins from Thomas Austin at Bowen Park in Winchelsea. He was later identified as being the same as John McHenry, who had escaped from the Geelong Jail two years earlier. This was despite the fact that the information McHenry gave as to how he came to Australia, and even his nationality, was completely false. 
He reported that he was Irish and had arrived in Victoria in 1842. But he couldn't hide the scar on the back of his head, something that had identified him many times in England. It was alleged that McHenry had stolen Austin sheepskins that were left hanging on a fence and the information was given to Mounted Constable Kerwin. Kerwin immediately proceeded to the hotel where McHenry was staying and ordered him to empty a couple of wagons which were filled with skins. Anderson, the local butcher, on hearing of the stolen skins, counted the skins he had drying and found that he was missing six. McHenry was then confronted, drew a knife, cut the skins into pieces so they could not be identified. McHenry stated he had purchased the Austin skins from the cook in Mr Austin's employ and which was vigorously denied. McHenry was found guilty of receiving and was sentenced to another four months in the Geelong Jail. McHenry, using the name of John James Clark, alias McHenry, was released from Geelong Jail in January 1872 and then disappears from the records. I find it hard to believe, given his history, that he went straight – but we have been unable to locate either John McHenry or James Clark or any other members of his family to this date. But we will continue looking. You just never know when we will eventually stumble onto that correct bit of information that gives us all of those answers that we seek. It is one of the most frustrating aspects of research not being able to neatly close this story with where McHenry ended up and spent the rest of his life. But you can be assured, if and when we do find out what happened to him, we will let you know. Interested in learning more about this episode? Join the Locked Up With History Facebook group for more facts and discussions about the dark colonial past of Victoria and beyond. Now, before we put the story of John McHenry to bed, don't forget to check out our webpage at www.lockedupwithhistory.com.au where all the previous episodes are along with some of the photos for the episodes where we have them. Of course, you can also listen to all of the episodes on your favourite podcast streaming platform. If you have any questions or you'd like to discuss any of the episodes, join us over on Facebook and the Locked Up With History group. This is where you can ask me any questions on the current episodes or previous ones and where you can view any of the media associated with the episodes as well. Now, on our next episode, we will be looking at the Fuller family and their connection with the Geelong Jail. Now, if you've ever heard me speak, you would have heard me refer to the ghost of Edward Fuller and how he looks out for me today. Tune in to hear the full story of how Edward and his wife, Ellen, ended up in jail. A tale of jealousy, murder and the afterlife. Until then, see you on the darker side. information on the story from today's episode check out the show notes or join the locked up with history facebook group remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts